your Bible apps or your Bibles, go with me to John chapter 13. John chapter 13, we'll pick up in verse 34 in just a minute. It was a few weeks ago, and I'd put it off as long as I possibly could, and I couldn't put it off legally any longer. I had to go to the BMV. Now, going to the BMV, in my mind, is much like utilizing a public restroom. You're only there out of necessity. You want to get in and get out as quickly as you possibly can and get on with your life, make it as pain-free as possible. And as soon as I walked in the BMV, I noticed I had to grab a number. So that's like walking into a restroom and seeing they have those stupid hand dryers. It's just prolonging the time. You don't want to be in there anyways. And so I sat down, and I began to, you know, start guessing how long it would be until they, they called me. And I saw David Ramey there. David plays bass in our band, and we're, we're just so, so thankful what God's doing in our band, what an incredible team he's put together to lead us in worship every week. And I'm just so excited of, of what, they're, what they're already accomplishing and, and helping us worship our great God with. And I saw David there, and I said, if I can't get this taken care of right here, in one easy spot, I'm going to lose my mind. And he just laughed at me. It was, it was a bit of foreshadowing. He just laughed. And so they call my number, and I stroll up to the counter, and I've got this entire bag. I have my entire life in this bag that I'm carrying. I have social security cards, passports, utility bills, my marriage license, a picture of my firstborn. I have literally my entire life in this plastic Ziploc bag with me thinking, this, this is so easy. This, this will be done today. Nothing could possibly go wrong. Oh, but it's the BMV. Something can always go wrong, and something will always go wrong. And so I finally made it up to the counter after waiting for a half an hour, and I said, hey, I need a license. And they said, well, have you had a vision test? And I said, well, I just went to the doctor six months ago. That's not what they were referring to. They were referring to the vision test, which is located in the room next door to where I was. So I was informed that I had to go to the room next door. And so I went to the room next door, and guess what I got to do? Grab a number, have a seat, and wait until they called my number all over again. And then I went up when they called my number, took my vision test, which took five minutes. They asked me a number of questions. I answered no to all of them, not sure if I was supposed to or not, just wanted to get out of there. Apparently, I passed. So if you're going to the BMV, just go with no, all right? You'll pass. Made it back over and was informed, oh, right, you can get your license. I said, great, now I need to get license plates. Well, have you been next door? I'm like, yeah, I just went over there to get my vision test. Oh, no, to the other side where you have to get your out-of-state title put into an Ohio state title before you have to come back here to get the license plates that next door can't issue you, only we can issue you. No. So I walked next door, and guess what? Grabbed a number. Had a seat. They called my number. Met a great lady. She was very nice. She helped me out, and it was wonderful. Went back over, and finally, two and a half hours later, after I started out, I was able to leave the BMV fully legal with my new license plates and my new license. I was legal to drive in Ohio. I had my Ohio ID. I had my identity. I had, when people ask me, who are you, and I say Brian personally, I now have the photo, the photo proof of that issued by the state of Ohio that I am who I say I am, and all the papers that I took corroborate that story that I indeed am Brian personally. It's my identification. And we understand in our world, which is just 
filled with problems and terrorism and everything else, the importance of an accurate ID. We all understand the importance of accurate identification. And this morning as we look at John chapter 13, what we're going to see is what our ID as Christians ought to be. See, unlike, unlike how we function in our world with our nice issued state ID, when we become a Christ follower, we don't get something that's handed to us that says, here's your proof. I mean, we have the Holy Spirit and he comes in and dwells us, but I'm just saying tangible, visual evidence in a nice and neat card. We are not presented anything to just show people that says, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christ follower. This is what I'm all about. And Jesus in John chapter 13 conveys to his disciples what as Christ followers our identification needs to be. And so we're going to get to there in just a minute. If you missed it last week, I'd encourage you to go online and check out Steve's message as he set the groundwork for what we want our, our overall mission to be as a church here at Mission View, and that is to follow God. And we looked at Deuteronomy chapter 6, and we saw that the, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And that's, that's the foundation that Steve laid last week, and we're building upon that foundation this week. And earlier in John chapter 13, what we've just seen is we've seen the, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, humble himself, remove the sandals from his disciples' feet, and wash their feet, including, by the way, the disciple who is about to betray him. And Jesus serves his disciples, and then he conveys to them that Judas will be the one who betrays him. Judas leaves, and, and then Jesus says this in John chapter 13, beginning in verse 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That's our ID. That's how people are to be able to look at us and see that we are, in fact, Christ followers. By how we love one another. We're to love one another in the same manner that Christ loved us. And so we just see moments before he delivered this, Christ was humbling himself and serving others. He was serving them. See, love is not self-interest. It's service. It's elevating others as we serve them. And church, think about the implications of this. Our love for one another will be our defining characteristic. This will be the way that people look at us and judge us. By how we love. By how we love. 
Unfortunately, instead of being defined by our love for one another, we've often been defined by our lack of it. We have a long history as, a church, as the church, not a church. I mean, this is week two, so we're doing pretty well so far. Give it time, give it time. But the church, it, it has a long history of allowing what should be matters of personal preference and conviction to become divisive issues in the church. Some of the old battles that we don't really fight anymore, but we used to, are about music and, and the preference of, of style of music that, that a church played and worshipped with. Or, or how the pastor or the people of the church dressed. I'm glad that battle's over. I can be comfortable today. Thank you for those who went before us and won that battle. I appreciate it. Some older battles are alcohol and whether a Christian should absolutely abstain for it or, or whether, whether the scriptures teach that moderation is key. And that battle, for, by and large, is, is over with. But it was a very divisive issue, and it was an issue that people felt passionately on both sides of as they did movies and media consumption. Is it wrong for people to watch movies? Is it wrong for them to consume what, what the church would call secular media? Where is the line? Where is, where, where's, where's too far? Where's not far enough? And what has happened is we've allowed all these matters, which are not black and white issues of the scripture, but which are, which are matters of personal conviction and personal preference to become, to become things that define us. And here's the danger in that. When we allow these things to define us, all of a sudden, if you have a different approach than I have, and this is the very thing that defines us, then our love somehow gets strained rather easily because we don't agree. And rather than agree to not agree under the umbrella of Christ, which the umbrella of Christ is wide enough for all of us to do, but rather than agree to not agree, what we do is we try to convince the other person. And the church becomes like one of those annoying political news channels that's just 24-7 people yelling at each other back and forth. And more than one church has just thrown up their hands and split as a result of not being willing to have people under that wide umbrella that is Jesus Christ. And willing to say, no matter where you stand on this matter of personal conviction and personal preference, there is room for you in this community and I'm going to love and accept you even if I don't agree. And we look back at some of these battles and we're like, how pointless and how stupid is that? There was a time when the church fought over whether you could, whether you could have drums in worship. There was a time when, when the pastor had to wear a three-piece suit. There's a time when Christians didn't drink any alcohol at all. And some people said, I'm not even going to watch a movie. And we look back at those. And we're like, I'm glad that's over. I'm glad that's done. But rather than move on completely from that mindset of divide and argue, what we've done is we've unfortunately allowed new battles to creep in and take the place of the old battles that are no longer being fought on the forefront. So the new battles are politics. The new battles are what type of Christian you are. Whether you're radical or missional or gospel-centered. 
And we judge people. We judge people if their passions and their convictions don't align with our passions and our convictions. And the problem is that can destroy the unity of the church. And rather than be defined by love, as Jesus told his disciples should be our defining characteristic, rather than be defined by love, we're defined by our inner turmoil, we're defined by our inner judgment of one another, and we're defined by our arguments. And not only does that mindset hurt the unity of the church, but it transcends the church. In the research for the book on Christian, what a new generation really thinks about Christianity, which is now about five or six years old, researchers found that the majority of those 30 years and younger in America describe modern-day Christianity as judgmental, hypocritical, and anti-gay. What's more, many Christians don't even want to call themselves Christian because of the baggage that accompanies that label. The vast majority of non-Christians, 91% in the surveys, said Christianity had an anti-gay image, followed by 87% who said it was judgmental, and 85% who said it was hypocritical. Such views were held by smaller percentages of the active churchgoers, but the faith still did not fare well. As 80% agreed with the anti-gay label, 52% said Christianity is judgmental, and 47% declared it hypocritical. And so the problem has been not only have we allowed this to to happen in our churches and not be defined by our love, but we've taken the same mindset and we've taken it to those outside of the church. I know I've been guilty of this. I've been guilty, unfortunately, of being more concerned of who somebody's sleeping with than who their Savior is. That's wrong. That's wrong. Church, we have to start with what is most important. And that is who people's Savior is. Now, that's the problem. We all know from elections and everything else in life, diagnosing the problem is easy. But we need to be part of the solution. Mission View, we need to be part of the solution that not only transforms the North Canton community's mindset about Christians and about Jesus Christ, but we need to be part of the solution that that transforms their mindset about the church. And we need to show people that the umbrella of the church is big enough and there is enough grace and love in the church to have people who don't agree on everything. The the umbrella of Jesus Christ is big enough for Republicans and Democrats. It's big enough for those who think you have to be radical and sell off everything. It's big enough for those who live in comfort and generously support the church. It's big enough for those with different passions and different preferences and different convictions. So long as scripture is not black and white on something, then neither should we be and we should understand that under the umbrella of the church, we are big enough to love, to be gracious, and to accept those who disagree with us. And we need to be known, church, not as anti-gay, but as anti-sin, while at the same time maintaining a love for imperfect individuals. We need to be known not as judgmental, but as gracious people who hold to truth. We need to be known not as hypocritical, but as imperfect people in need of grace and mercy, striving each day to be more and more like Jesus Christ, whom we follow. That is what we need to be. That is what Jesus has us all to be, and that is our mission as a church. That is what we must accomplish. This world is desperate for it. And I don't know about you, but I think a lot of us are desperate for a church like that as well. And so here's our plan. 
We want to be a church where genuine community and relationships which foster love exist. Genuine community and relationships which foster love exist. Love is not blind agreement, and love is not blind acceptance. Now, our culture would tell us differently. But love is not blind agreement, and love is not blind acceptance. I can love you and disagree with you. I don't love anyone in this world as much as I love my wife. I love my wife. She's an incredible woman. She puts up with me. She's going to have far greater things in heaven than I will just for that fact alone. I love my wife more than anyone in this world, and I fight with my wife more than anyone in this world. Here's why. Many of us saw a couple weeks ago the display of whatever you want to call Miley Cyrus and, and Robin Thicke. At the, at the Video Music Awards. And if you didn't, then you've seen the, the news outlets and, and the footage elsewhere. Now, I look at Miley, and I think, honey, you're on a destruction course. And it's sad, but it's true. And if something doesn't radically change, she'll just be the latest statistic of who our culture build up only to tear down and, and then to make a bigger story as, as she falls. And I look at that, it, and I feel bad for her, and I hope it doesn't happen. But if it does happen, I'm going to feel bad about it. But it's, it's not really going to ruin my day. Now, if I see my wife making a mistake that I think she's headed for destruction, or I think it's not going to end well, I will stop at nothing to intervene in her life. I will stop at nothing to help her see this isn't right. I don't agree. I think this is potentially bad. I'll lose sleep over it. I'll, I'll be willing to fight her, not physically, but I'll be willing to fight her so that she doesn't make that mistake. Because I love her. And the thought of her making a mistake, it just shakes me to my core because I have a vested interest in her and I don't want to see her falter. I don't want to see her in sorrow in hurt. See, our culture would tell us that if I love her, I just need to support her in whatever she does. But sometimes she's wrong. And our culture would tell her that she just needs to love and support me in whatever I do, but I'm wrong all the time. And so love has got to be more than that. It has to be. It's not blind agreement. It's not blind acceptance. What love is, is, is accepting those with whom we disagree. And love is being grace-filled. Love is not constantly going back to the, I told you so. But it's willing to be gracious.
It's accepting those with whom we disagree. I'm fascinated when I think of Jesus' disciples. I'm fascinated to think that one of the disciples Jesus recruited is, is it's told to us in Luke chapter 6, verse 15, that Simon was known as the zealot. Simon the zealot. Now, zealots were, were a group of Jewish individuals who wanted to overthrow the, the Roman government. They, they were just sick to the fact that they were being ruled by people who, who, were not, who were not native Jews. And so they wanted to overthrow the Roman government. And Jesus calls Simon the Zealot, who, by the way, the Zealots were not always peaceful in their desire to overthrow the Roman government. He calls Simon the Zealot to come and be his disciple. And who does he call as well? Well, Matthew 9, 9, 13 tells us he calls Matthew. And what was Matthew? Matthew was a tax collector. He was a very agent of the government that Simon wanted to overthrow. And we get all bent out of shape every two years in November thinking the church is only big enough for either Republicans or Democrats. These guys hit the road together and they went everywhere and they violently disagreed on the course that the country should take. And yet... Jesus was big enough to have both of them as disciples. He was big enough for both Simon and Matthew, a zealot and a tax collector, to be his disciples. That's love. That's love. We have different passions. God's wired us differently. He's given us different gifts. He's given us different, different occurrences in life. And, and these are good things. And none of us are wired exactly alike. And that's part of the beauty of the church. That's part of the beauty of us being the bride of Jesus Christ. But, but as such, as, as we're not all wired alike, as we don't all have the same life circumstances, as we haven't been through the same things in life, that means some of us are going to have more of a bent towards mission work. Some of us are going to have more of a bent towards reaching those who are far from God right here. Some of us are going to have more of a bent to serving those who are already Christ followers and helping them become more knowledgeable in that which the scriptures teach. Some of us are going to be more bent in worship. Some of us are going to be more generous than others. Some of us, you, you, the list keeps going and it keeps going and it keeps going. And Mission View, what we must strive to be is we must strive to be a church that doesn't elevate one aspect of the body or one gift over the other. And that temptation is going to be there for us. It was there for the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians. And Paul had to write and say, just as all the members of your body are, are distinct and they all serve a purpose, so are the individuals of the church. And so let's make sure that we don't judge somebody else because they have different passions than I have. And they have different gifts than I have. Let us see, rather, that in the unity of the church, your gifts and your passions coming alongside my gifts and my passions make for the best possible recipe for us to impact this community and this world for the glory of God, which is why we're here in the first place. Now, our practical approach to this, living as part of that type of community, that's accepting, that understands the umbrella of Jesus Christ is large. Our approach to that is a couple things. First, if we're really going to have community, we really need to know one another. We need to know one another. 
And so our culture and our society is going more and more to, to an online um, model. Facebook's huge. It's dying a little bit in popularity, but it's still the go-to if you're single and you want to know what she likes for you go out so you can pretend to like the same things. You stalk her on Facebook. Um, you know, Facebook's, it's, don't act like if it wasn't around, you wouldn't have done the same thing, all right? Now, Facebook, I mean, that's a way that people are familiar with and give away a lot of information. So we have a group on Facebook, the Mission View Church. If, if, you, haven't, if you haven't liked our page, go like the page. Let people creep on your profile that way. Starting next week, we're launching something brand new, which I'm so excited about. And it's called Mission View Connect. And what it is is essentially an online portal, and we're going to give you a lot of information about this next week. But it is an online portal called Mission View Connect, and that online portal allows you to provide information about yourself, a picture about yourself, some of your, some of your passions, some of your gifts, and it allows people to get to know, get to know one another in that way. I'm so excited about it. There's a lot of details we're going to share with you. Again, that's next week. It's called Mission View Connect. Don't miss out on it. The most intimate way that you can be part of community, however, is community groups. You were handed a brochure as you walked in this morning, and if you were somehow missed, there are some available um, outside in the lobby. All this information is available online. If you go to missionviewchurch.org, you can reach all this information by going to community groups. Now, what community groups are is they're groups of 10 to 16 people um, that meet once a week throughout the community. They're, the purpose of the groups is to get together, and there's a threefold purpose. One is just to spend time together. One is just to enjoy being around each other. Another aspect of the group is to discuss what you hear on Sunday mornings. So we're going to have practical questions that tie in with what you hear on Sunday mornings, and those questions will then be discussed and will allow you, and however you're wired under the umbrella of grace, however you see the world, to give your input on that and how you're going to put it into practice in your life. Whatever your spiritual gift, whatever your natural bent is, we allow you to discuss that and really think about the ways you're going to put this into practice. And then the third aspect that we ask the groups to do is to be invested in one another's life by praying for each other. Being involved. Being together. Another aspect we ask is that during the group time, throughout the semester, and we mean semesters, by the way. So, so these groups will launch two, starting the week, two weeks from today, September 29th, and they'll run through the week before Thanksgiving, and then we'll have a break for Thanksgiving and Christmas. We understand that's a very busy time in people's lives, and, and you're more than welcome to, to get together during the holiday season. We're requesting that every group get together at least one time during that time and just do something fun together. Just enjoy being together, being part of the community uh, aspect and just being together during that time. So that, that's how these will run. There are 16 groups currently available. 16 groups, two of them are young adults, single groups, because we just realized that young adults, single people have different temptations or different places in life than, than the rest of us. But for the rest of us, we can sign up for the remaining 14 groups. Also, if you look in the back of this brochure, these are not just for adults. We have student groups that meet on Sunday nights throughout the community. Parents encourage, and if your kids don't want to go, make them go. On Sunday nights, make them be part of it. 
Uh, do not miss it. I cannot emphasize enough the importance of you being involved in this and your student being involved and invested in these groups. It's so vital. It's vitally, vitally important. Because this is the time that we go beyond the surface. This is the time that we really get to know one another. This is the time that we can put fully into practice what Jesus is talking about when he says in John chapter 13, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And so we see that it starts together. It starts with us loving one another. But community groups aren't just about us because the Christian life never should be. And so every group we're tasking that every semester they meet to do at least one community service project as a group, not for members of the church, but for the community, so that we can show the love of Christ and the hope of Jesus in this community. That we would alter the stereotype that we're anti-gay, hypocritical, and judgmental. And we would begin to alter and show that the true picture of the church is to be community and love. That is Jesus' design. And we will go out and reach people with grace and love as we have been called to do. That is our vision. I cannot emphasize enough how important this is. This is so important to us. So if you have not already, go online, missionviewchurch.org, select community groups, and join a group. There is a map available on there where all 16 groups meet. We have it broken down to groups that meet on Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, and Thursday night. All those times are available for the groups to meet at 16 locations all around the North Canton area, as well as Jackson, Green, Uniontown, Lake, Hartville, because they won't just merge. But all of those areas are together, and we have something represented in each of those communities. Also today, when you leave, if you're not tech-savvy, if you don't use the internet, or if you just want somebody else to sign you up. There are going to be six people located immediately out those doors. Before you go to the commons, if you haven't already, open up this brochure. Read about the groups and select a group for yourself and your, and your spouse if you have one. And then go out these doors. And there are going to be six people, two of which are armed with computers, four of which are armed with tablets. And go up to them and either enter your own information if you can, or if you can't, have them enter your information for you. They'll be more than happy to do it. But secure your spot in the group. All these groups have limited spaces open because if they get too large, then we lose that community aspect. And so we're going to start new groups if we have to. But sign up today. Do not delay. There are plenty of snacks available in the commons. You're not going to miss out. But whatever you do, make it a priority to sign up and be part of a community, and be part of a community in love. Leroy Sutton was 11 years old when he lost his legs. He was walking to school in Akron near railroad tracks. And as a train was passing by, his, his book bag was caught on a passing freight train, which drug him under the tracks, and the remaining cars ran over his legs. He had to have both of them amputated. He would move up to Cleveland to a school named Cleveland's Lincoln West High School. 
And he had an interest that developed in wrestling. And so in spite of the fact that he was a double amputee, he joined the wrestling team. There was only one guy on the team big enough to wrestle Leroy. And his name was D'Artagnan Crockett. D'Artagnan Crockett and Leroy Sutton would develop a friendship as they wrestled one another. And their friendship grew and developed beyond even that point. D'Artagnan, knowing Leroy's situation, began to carry him on his back everywhere they went. He would carry him throughout their entire wrestling season to matches, into the gym, around the school, everywhere. He, the only man big enough to wrestle Leroy on the team, put Leroy on his back and carried him. Leroy couldn't make it on his own. It's an incredible tale of friendship and sacrifice. It's made even more incredible by this fact. The fact that D'Artagnan Crockett, the one who would carry Leroy Sutton on his back, is legally blind. He can only see four to five feet in front of him. And so the wrestler who is blind would carry the wrestler who had no legs. And he would walk, and Leroy would help him where he needed to go. The spring of their senior year of high school, Leroy was finally fitted with with prosthetic legs. One of the first times he ever wore his legs was to graduation. And D'Artagnan, who'd carried Leroy all year, who needed to, no longer needed to carry Leroy, whose prosthetic legs were fixed. So what did D'Artagnan do? He walked across the stage as Leroy received his diploma, right beside him, allowing Leroy to put his hand on his shoulder, And steady him every step of the way. There are going to be times in life where things get difficult. There are going to be marriages that fall apart. There are going to be doctor visits that end with terrible news. There's going to be loss. There's going to be trial. And there's going to be sadness. And we've all been called to go through this life not alone, but alongside one another. Mission View, let's make sure that we are known as a church by our love. Let's adopt these verses as a rallying cry. By this, they will know that we are God's disciples. By this, they will know that we are followers of Jesus Christ by our love. 
for one another. And may we never sacrifice or settle for anything less than being a community which supports and loves one another, that's gracious when we don't agree, and ultimately one that is defined by love. So church, let's walk beside one another in love and grace. And let's change people's mindsets, not just about the church, but more importantly about Jesus. Don't delay. Sign up for a community group right now. When you leave right out those doors, there's six people ready and waiting to help you. If you, have, if you have a web-enabled phone, do it on your phone. But let's make sure that we develop real community where we love one another. God bless you. Have a great day.